Hello, I'm Angela. And I'm Marie, the second half of this mother and daughter team. Welcome to Chalker Checkups. We're here to guide you on your quest for spiritual knowledge and enlightenment. Hello. Hello, we're back. So after editing last week's episode on mediumship, I realized that I just have a lot more questions. And a lot of the questions kind of have to do with specific skills and kind of with a theme of more control over them. Okay, well, control is a big issue. Control is a kind of dance between three things. Wanting and willing. You want a skill. You want it now. You want more power. And you think you're ready for it. And you think you have done whatever you need to be willing enough to get it. So you're focused on that. Yeah, I really want that skill. Then there's the part that's surrendering. Sometimes in order to achieve something in mediumship, it requires complete surrender. So it's sort of the opposite. I'm going to completely trust my angels and guides. I'm going to let go of my overactive mind and just follow their lead. Open my heart, let go of my mind and surrender to what their agenda is. That's a little harder to do. And then the third part about that is sometimes someone's open when they don't want to be. And so they have, they're struggling with stopping or blocking their mediumship or what's going on. And when you're developing, all of that kind of comes into play and you're doing this sort of dance between all three things and trying to figure out where the balance is. It can be a little bit challenging. I know my friend had reached out and she was picking up on specifically people that were close to her thoughts and was wondering if there was a different way to, I think, like not use that ability other than talking to her angels. Well, there is, and it's really not that difficult. What you're talking about is telepathy and telepathy probably between family members or very close acquaintances. And you really just need to say firmly, I am not going to do that. I am not going to allow those thoughts to come into my field. Not that they make the angels do that, but I'm a parameter around yourself. Right. You just determined that you're not going to, you're, you're going to shut that off and you're going to be responsible for not paying attention to those thoughts. It's a, not a lot different than if there's something playing on the television set, it's annoying you and you don't have control of who's watching and you tune out that sound. And after a little while you realize you're not hearing it. So that makes sense. Yeah, you just decide, no, I'm not going to focus on, pay attention to, listen to, or receive any thoughts from this person, that person, or the other person. So with telepathy, if you want to hone in on those skills and try to practice, is that something that's 
like an invasion of someone's energy? Well, if you, you know, if you see a, I don't know, a cute guy across the room and you decide, I, I want to know what he's thinking. I'm going to try to see what he's thinking or figure out what he's thinking. You're definitely invading his space. And, and that's not really appropriate. That's not the same as the reading body language or, you know, someone's giving you the glad eye or something of that nature. But if you're going into their energy to try to telepathically grab information, you cross the line that you shouldn't cross. Because you're not picking up on like thought forms that are floating around the room necessarily, but kind of being connected in someone's energy field. Is that kind of how telepathy works? Right. Yes. The thing about thoughts, it, this is something that it, it's helpful to, to remember. If you're thinking about some guy across the room, that thought is going to go directly to that person. It's like a heat-seeking missile. It's not going to be a thought form that flies around the room or hangs around the room. It's always going to go to whoever it is intended to. Now, if somebody's thinking the world's going to hell, we're all going to die. Now, that might create a thought form that would hang around the room. And if a lot of people were thinking that thought form, that might get depressing and mm -hmm. you walk in and you feel like well this place is kind of a downer that kind of thought form because that thought form is not aimed at anything but if you're thinking i want to know what that guy's thinking or if he's got a girlfriend or what's going on or you know like that then that is like a heat seeking missile that goes right into that person's energy and you you're attempting to inv invade their energy and if you receive their thoughts back, then you have invaded their energy. Mm -hmm. And then you're saying it's not appropriate because then you're susceptible of picking up any like negative entities and things that are in their energy. Well, it's not appropriate because it's his or her private mind. Well, and I, under I understand that part. But then I think a lot of people are like, well, I've been doing that all the time. Like, I hear you say that that's always the argument when you're like, it's not appropriate. It's like, but it's, you know, yes, it, it will make you sick. Oftentimes it will cause thyroid problems. So I always wonder, I, I've had many people, they say, I do that a lot. And I say, well, how's your thyroid? Oh, my thyroid's really bad. Or I already had it taken out or it's been radiated. It, one, that's one of the organs in the body that tend to fail when you do that a lot and that's not just with telepathy but that's with most like energetic a any kind of energetic invasion yeah if if i go into your thoughts because i want to for whatever reason or because i can the other thing is that you connect to me i've connected to you by force i've kind of like if I think of it like I had a spear gun and I just connected it, now we're, now we're tethered. Well, now you have the ability to back the energy, back up that tether and send me any of your depression, upset, illnesses, whatever. Right. So it's not a good idea because if you're doing that with a lot of people, you begin to get mucked up. And then you're trying to do your mediumship 
and you can't get clear enough to experience any of your mediumship because you are too mucked up with this stuff. Right. Whatever you might glean from going in and invading somebody's thoughts, it's not worth the price of what it does to you physically. Yeah, it sounds like a slippery slope on your health. Yeah, it's slippery slope in lots of ways. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the angels give you gifts sort of based on your appropriate use of what you have. Like if you're using things appropriately, they're not going to give you new abilities. Right. They'll wait for you to mature. They'll just back off and wait for you to mature. They're not going to give you more power and more ability when you're already misusing what you have. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and it's, it's sort of interesting because sometimes the people that have, when I'm doing a chakra reading, that have the most enlightenment, they're the least interested in grabbing more power. And then I'll see someone that has so much darkness in their chart, although they do have some natural psychic ability, and they are really looking for a lot of power. And I say, well, you've got to clear these things out and stop doing some of the stuff you're doing. And they're not interested in doing that. And they don't understand why they're not developing or why they can't get these, their mediumship gifts to work. It's a very interesting thing that I, I, I kind of got some clarity on myself this last week. Many, many people have talked about, I go on and I read the Akashic Records. I, I get all this knowledge. I can go in and I can read the Akashic records and they even advertise, I'll go and read your Akashic records or whatever they do. And so I, I've been thinking more lately, well, I should be able to do that. I mean, I have pretty good skills, so I should be able to read the Akashic records. What exactly is the Akashic records for those of us that haven't heard of, about those types of readings? In theory, it is a suppository of all knowledge all okay. in the future and in the past. So to be able to read whatever you want to find out, that would be pretty incredible mm -hmm. and possibly dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> but at any rate, uh, I was having no luck and I was not able to access it in any way. And then I started thinking about what I know about angels and what I know about invading space and, and the ethics of all of that. And I thought, maybe it's not the way these people claim at all. Maybe if you really want to get some information about so out of the Kashuk records, you have to tell the angels exactly what you want and see if you're, that is available to you. So I had a person I was trying to get some very specific information about pertaining to her health and healing, and which might also, I felt, pertain to a past life of hers. And I asked the angels, I said, okay, I, went, I said in a meditation, and I said, okay, what I would like to have is this. I would like to have any information available in the Kashuk records about the past life that pertain to these sort of things in her healing and in her energy that I'm seeing if that's available. And it, I just saw a, like a lock unlock and like a door open. And then that information was available to me. And that made me think, again, it's about this, there's still 
privacy for all the people that have all their information on the Akashic Records, just like going into somebody's mind and invading it. And you need to have a purpose, an intention that is a, a clear and clean intention, a reason why you want this information and permission. Again, some of this stuff is guarded by your angels and your guides. They're not just going to say, okay, yeah, here's a bomb stronger than the atomic bomb. We'll give you that information. You mm -hmm. need to have a reason why you want the information and then it's possibly available to you. Mm -hmm. So you just can't take your psychic power and just sort of use it wherever you want to use it. It's not designed that way and the angels won't allow it. They can't tell you what to do, but they can stop you from having the ability to do something if you're misbehaving. Mm -hmm. That's something to think about. So are you saying like most psychic abilities are passing through these angels anyways? I'm saying they're like the gatekeepers. Okay. They're not, you have the ability, um, you, you might have the ability but the power's being regulated to some degree by these guides. They're not going to let you hurt yourself and they're not going to let you hurt someone else. Mm -hmm. They're not going to let you do something wholly inappropriate. You do have free will, but you don't have free will to go into their realm and trash the Akashic records or you know, do whatever you feel like doing. There are certain there are certain things they do have control of, and they are and they are modulating that in your life probably more than you realize, oftentimes for your own good. Mm -hmm. So, again, it comes back to that dance of you know what you're willing and wanting may not be available for you in your mediumship right now because of other things you've got going on in your energy. Okay. And then if you if you're willing and wanting it and you're appropriate, like I was doing with the Akashic Records, I just realized, well, maybe it's more available to me than I thought, but I wasn't using the right way of accessing. Now I've got an idea that maybe I can get better information about certain people when I do it appropriately. Yeah, do you think that the Akashic Records are more about a person's history or more accessible in their healing because I could think of a lot of like beneficial for the world reasons to have knowledge on like creating fresh water out of salt water or ways to get rid of you know microplastics from the ocean or something Right. I think that when you really want some information because for the, for the greater good or for healing or healing the planet, and you're asking your angels and guides, help me get this information, you could do the same thing that I did and say, I want this information from the Akashic Ref Records if it's there. How mm -hmm. could I get salt out of the ocean water and make that fresh and tasty drinking water? Right. Now, if your intention on that was like, maybe you have a good intent to clean that, but then you also are like, and I would like to make a lot of money. Do you think that's almost a boundary that'd be like, we're not going to give it to you? 
I don't think necessarily, no. I don't think so. I don't think that that's, I don't know for sure. Yeah. I don't think so. You know, it's interesting when we talk about natural knowing, and there are lots of times when I've said there are things that I suddenly know. Yeah. I just have that. I wake up and I know how to do something and I don't even know when I got the skill. It just is there. It wasn't there a week ago. Now I have it. But one thing I do know is that I spent a lot of time thinking about this stuff. I spent a lot of time thinking, how can I heal better? How can I figure out these little children's minds and make it work so that they, they don't have, you know, problems with their, their psychic abilities? How can I, you know, do these various different things? I spent a lot of time thinking about that. So in a way, I'm, I'm constantly questioning it and trying to figure it out and asking the angels for help. And then they respond. And a lot of times that response is when I'm sleeping. And then I wake up and I'm like, oh, this is really interesting. Uh, one example of that is I had that with um, bipolar. I had a lot of people that were having bipolar I realized that some of my thought were bipolar, some of my thought were not. And I woke up and the angels showed me exactly what bipolar energy looks like in terms of the chakra system and gave me a very easy exercise that will stabilize someone that's bipolar. Mm -hmm. And I just knew it. And I tried it out on a friend and uh, she went from completely dysfunctional to completely able to function in the world. Right. So it's sometimes it's your desire. It's your mediumship is your ability to access this stuff. But you're when I talked about a medium is someone has a strong desire to heal. You have this strong desire and this searching and wanting to help in a certain area. And you don't give up. I don't, I kept, questioning there must be a way there must be a way um and that's what i was focused on at that time and then suddenly you get an answer mm -hmm. but for people that are just trying to get their mediumship going that doesn't necessarily happen you know i, I started on monday and by friday nothing's happened so i'm really discouraged mm -hmm. this some of this for me has been over long periods of time. I just don't give up. What about the people that don't have their mediumship under control at all? For many years, I did not have a lot of control. And the thing that I had the least control about was the amount of things that I was seeing. I was seeing huge amounts of stuff stuff flying through the walls, stuff crawling across the ceilings, uh, thought forms, little strange astral things. Um, sometimes I would wake, I would start to dream about them and then know that when I woke up, they would still be coming and I would wake up and jump out of bed so I'd be out of the way of something. Basically, my husband thought I needed to be in an insane asylum. It made him crazy made me a little crazy too. 
And this was something I needed to get control of. Mm-hmm. And when someone thinks they don't have control of all of this, they're wrong. They do. You need to take control. You need to say, okay, I'm going to limit what is allowed. I'm not going to allow this to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to, you know, damp this down and turn this off. I'm going to set limits. I'm going to put gold light around my house. Like I visualized it like gold glass. And I said, nothing comes past this gold glass surrounding my house, particularly when I'm sleeping. Mm -hmm. So you begin to figure out ways to make your parameters so that you're not just walking around in a state of open mediumship all day long. Some people say, oh, this is so cool. This is a blessing. But it's not if you're doing that while you're driving a car. I literally had one person tell me they went into a trance state while they were driving their car. There's nothing good about that. That's not a blessing. That's just batshit crazy out of control. Mm -hmm. So the thing you need to understand and know is that you do have control and any idea that it is somehow more powerful or more blessed or more spiritual to not exercise that control is wrong. It's not. You need to learn. Is it possible for someone to have ability that's out of control without having much awareness of it? It's possible probably in the early stages. There are things, like I said, I would be moving a lot at night back and forth in dimensions and sometimes dragging things back in with me and having weird things happen, you know, uh, strange creatures and things and then I would react to them you know jump out of the bed or you know a couple times I woke up in a kind of trance state talking about something that was going on with some urgency and it was clearly not happening Mm -hmm. well I can imagine like a creature or something being very obvious but if we're having a premonition but not really aware that it's not just a dream or a daydream or something like premonitions are tricky. I've had premonitions and yet you don't know it. You don't know until they happen. And if you take moves to make it, to prevent it from happening, then you don't know if it, if it truly was going to happen or not. Right. <laughs> you know, a, a, a really good psychic is always wrong. They make, they take you know, evasive action. So they don't hit a truck. So how could you prove you were going to hit the truck? <laughs> it's going to catch 22. Um, on the other hand, if you don't take evasive action, you have the accident. So, and when you're first, if you're starting to have that and you haven't had that before, it's pretty freaky. And it's, again, it's like a gift, like a lot of mediumship. It's just like a spirit coming to you, a premonition is not something you say, I'm going to sit down, meditate and seek premonitions and they're going to come to me in the next two hours. Then I'm going to go do my thing. People that have that ability, it just comes when it comes. Mm-hmm. So they have to learn how to manage their reaction to that and how they're going to function around that. 
I actually just stopped receiving all premonitions. I decided it it's not very useful. Again, you can't, oftentimes I can't do anything about what's going to happen. Most people really didn't want to hear what I was going to tell them anyway. They right. were really open or receptive to it. And it was kind of scary and frustrating. So I just said, I am not going to do that. I'm refusing to receive that kind of information and I'm going to shut it off and shut it down. And I did. Is there kind of a sign that you can tell it's a premonition verse? Like you're having a dream. Like is one, is a premonition going to be really like clear? There are dreams that are, uh, have a premonition kind of built into the dream. And then there are just premonitions you can get while sleeping. And then, of course, you can get a premonition while you're awake. So there's a little bit of all of the I, above. I mean, I guess I'm asking, like, what does it feel like if you know if that's happening to you? Well, you're just getting a, it depends on how you're seeing it. You could be getting a verbal message, like you're going to crash your car on the 210 freeway. That would be a premonition uh, verbally. Or you could suddenly just see, like uh, I've had it where I'm looking. And it, for some reason, for me, uh, they're sometimes in black and white. So that's a something for me to pay attention to. But I'll just see like a black and white film of something happening. This is going to happen. Okay. And sometimes it's almost like a text information. I had in high school, and I might have talked about this before, but I literally went to this guy and said, you're going to get busted on Thursday at 3.30 for drugs. And yeah, I remember you saying that. Yeah, and you know, something like that. I don't remember the exact time, but basically something like that. And And he was. And that was just, I just knew it. It just was there all of a sudden. This context of this information was there. And I knew it was going to happen. So it can come in all of the above. I had one set of premonitions. It hasn't happened so far. But I had a whole series about uh, Mount McLaughlin. Uh, and them saying that they there was activity in the volcano, but it was nothing to worry about then. About a week later, they're saying it was more activity in the volcano. But, you know, again, nothing to worry about. And then about three weeks later, it got very active. And they said, now it's, you know, it's interesting activity. And then the volcano exploded. Now, it hasn't happened so far. But uh, it it's interesting that I having had that whole series of these very, very vivid premonitions about that happening. Right. And I have no idea of the context of time. And that's the other thing that's kind of tricky about many premonitions is you don't see a calendar, you know, next to something. You don't often know it could be 20 years from now. It could be two years from now. You just don't know. You mean there's not a person holding up the daily newspaper <laughs> like in the ransom videos? Don't be nice. Exactly what day it is. I I guess some of the really really great uh, mediums that have known have known the actual time, and that one time I did know the actual time, but uh, mostly I haven't. So 
again, I felt the, I found the whole thing much more disturbing than satisfying. And I prefer to just work with healing, but do you think that's like a, a, a boundary that you could put around that skill of if I'm going to continue to have these premonitions, I would like to know a date and time of when they're going to happen to be able to help in these situations better. Well, it's worth a try, but some of the world-class prophets could not really tell the time. You know, Nostradamus didn't really have a very exact calendar for a lot of things. Um, that one woman in India who had gone blind um, and then started having prophecies, she has somewhat of a time frame, but not, you know, it, t- the time thing is tricky. Mm-hmm. It's it's very tricky. And I don't know how much, especially if a, a prophecy is a long time before it's supposed to take place, how much stuff would change or bend and it would change when it would happen too, or yeah. if it happens. Yeah. If you had that going on, you could, you could ask for that. Uh-huh. You could tell your angels that you need to access the Akashic records and know the exact time of this prophecy. Maybe they'd open the lock and you'd see it. Yeah. I think that we're, we are in a place right now, unlike anything that we've had for hundreds of years, maybe thousands of years. And there's more available to everybody that is interested in their spiritual development and their mediumship development. And it's just a matter of waking up, waking up and using your skills and starting to want to use them. And I think that if you want to wake up and you want to use them, the angels will help you, but does have to be for the right reason. And that's kind of up to the angels to decide. I guess let's talk about some other skills, the four C's, clairaudience, clairvoyance, clairsentience, and claircognience. So clairaudience, we talked about a little bit, and you kind of described it as hearing color, seeing sound. Right, and it's different from telepathy, because telepathy, you may not actually hear anything. You, you just sort of know what someone is thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, telepathy you can test your telepathy with your family by saying you know I want pizza I really want pizza I really really want pizza we should have pizza and see how long before everybody in the house is saying I got an idea let's have pizza tonight um, mm-hmm. so you're just putting out a thought or a will and seeing how quickly it's picked up but you're not necessarily hearing a voice and they're not necessarily going to hear a voice the clear audience can be I've had voices literally say things like move your car over to the side of the road or you should move to, I had one for a while, you should move to Wyoming, which not happening. But <laughs> <laughs> You might have missed out on the love of your life and you'll never know. <laughs> yeah, I might have missed out, of, out on mosquitoes the size of small bats and freezing temperatures <laughs> in the winter. <laughs> Again, you don't like the message. You don't have to. You don't have to listen to it. Uh huh. I've had angels say many things to me in meditations, and 
sometimes not in meditations. Um, I've heard voices a lot. Uh, yeah. And sometimes it's been really important and, and really life-changing. And a lot of times it's just been junk sound as far as I'm concerned. And that's why I say trust very little of what you hear, half of what you see and all of what you feel. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of chatter out there. And once you're open, it's very easy for a being to talk to you. And that might be a ghost. It might be an angel. It might be a demon. could be anything. Mm-hmm. There are certain types of minor demons that really like to talk to people. Um, and I think a, a good percentage of people in mental institutions are victimized by that. Yeah, you've mentioned like mocking demons before. Well, there are okay, there well, there are two that come to mind. One is a mocking being and the other is a suicide demon. Now, suicide demons are a kind of minor demon and they literally if someone in a family and it can be a broader part of the family, say your aunt or your uncle or a cousin tries to commit suicide or commits suicide particularly if they commit suicide, they can attract a suicide being. And these suicide beings then, once that person dies, they will go to someone else in the family that's directly tied, blood tied in the family. And they can stay with them for years. And when the person is totally happy and feeling spiritually strong and everything's going well, you won't know that you have that being. But if you get the slightest bit depressed or feeling a little bit low, that being will start to say things like, well, you're not really worth much anyway. Why don't you just kill yourself? No one would notice if you were gone. I can think of ways you could do it. And it'll just go on and on like that. And it won't stop. I had one woman said the only time the, this suicide being that was following her around stopped is when she went inside a church. It wouldn't follow her inside the church, but as soon as she came out, it was right back with her. Mm -hmm. And it's a real voice and it, it continues as long as you're down. Now, once you, if you get hold of yourself and you get very positive, then that voice fades and you think, oh, you get separated from these suicide demons. Well, it's difficult. You have to just be very, very positive and refuse to listen to it or react to it for quite a few years. And then they'll fade away. Mm -hmm. And I knew this personally because my brother slashed his wrist and he attracted a suicide being. And then it started coming around me and I would hear that, you know, constantly. And I, for a long time, I thought it was me and I thought, wow, I'm I'm kind of manic depressive. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> One minute I'm happy, the next minute I'm I thinking I should kill myself. And um, and then I got more uh, information, and I I realized this is not me at all. This is a, a being following me around. And when I went to Brazil, I found even more information about these things and and how they how they function. So I just started to say, you know, I'm not listening to you, and I would go into a meditation and generate light whenever it was around and then it would be gone for a while but if I got depressed or I got really upset or something it would be right back 
Now, I haven't heard anything from it for years now. So I think I finally, it lost interest in me and went someplace else. But it takes a lot to get rid of them. And sometimes you'll see a family, a very famous family, sometimes that everyone in the family commits suicide. And I think it's because they get a very strong suicide being going and it just pulls the whole family down. And how is that different from like a mocking being like you were saying? Okay, well, mocking beings come when someone has had a really bad trauma, like they've been raped or abused or something can be, I don't know, possibly could happen from a car wreck or something too, I suppose. Um, but they've been traumatized and then people and people aren't really interested or sympathetic with them. Uh-huh. And the mocking being, it's kind of like a mediumship thing because they partially like come into their body and they'll make the person react opposite to what would be the appropriate response particularly in a group so like if you're all sitting in church praying the person will start giggling or if everybody's happy they'll start to cry or everybody's crying or they're at a funeral they'll start to laugh in a manic way Mm -hmm. and generally that creates a lot of dislike for the person people begin to think this person is very inappropriate and and i guess just a big disconnect in their emotions it's a disconnect but it's also it's not really them it's actually they're partially channeling another being that's coming in and causing this behavior so it's partially like a mediumship thing mm-hmm. you know uh in brazil there was a, a woman that did this and Every, they'd say, okay, everybody form a circle, a turn, and she would sit facing the other way, outside of the circle. And then we'd have silent time, and she'd be singing or laughing or crying or something during the silent time. It was always this contrary behavior. And after a few days, no one wanted to have anything to do with this woman. But I realized when I was looking at her energy, this was a a very hurt person. This person had been badly hurt. And I just sat down and started addressing that. And it caused the mocking being to go away from her. Mm -hmm. So that's another kind of, it's a kind of a mediumship thing that person's not really controlling and they're, they don't have the control because they're just very badly damaged. Mm -hmm. In a way, the mocking beings helping trying to help them to call for help by getting this attention i really need some help here Mm -hmm. but mostly they just annoy people (laughs) well what's the best way to help someone like that well a lot of times i think those people there they other people don't recognize that they've been hurt they it could be a situation where someone was raped or something and nobody ever recognized it or believed it. Mm-hmm. And so you've got someone with major trauma that hasn't had any way of expressing that there's something really wrong here. I'm really hurt and damaged and I'm crying out for help. Mm-hmm. So you, someone, you know, at some point needs to recognize that's what happened when I started to talk to this woman, she changed completely and 
calmed down and focused and, you know, was very receptive to what I had to say. And I realized that she just had no, no one listening to her and no one understanding what had happened. Yeah. So if you see someone like that in your family, if someone out there has got someone like that going on, then you might want to look deeper or talk to them and, and set them down and say, what's really going on with you? Yeah. It might probably be some, some bad news, but something that has to be addressed at some point. Okay. And so then there's clairvoyance, which is like seeing ghosts and beings and all of those things. Yeah, and sometimes seeing the future and sometimes seeing the past. Okay. And I think if you have that, if you are if you are a seer, if you're really clairvoyant, it's maybe one of the harder things to control. And it's one of the more interesting things to have. I mean, obviously, I see a great deal and I find it very fascinating. But also, I struggled a lot many years to control it. The best way to open that up, of course, is to do meditation. Um, because the more you meditate, the more you're moving with consciousness through these different phases. And in meditation, you'll all often, you'll open up your third eye and you'll see things. But again, it's in a very controlled environment. And mm -hmm. so then you can develop that and, and also get more practiced at how that feels and when I'm seeing things and what might be out there and what's going on. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you're just again, kind of scary. And also people that don't meditate or do something to be seen in a certain amount of light. If you're just kind of open and you're just seeing whatever's out there, that's not great because there's a lot that's dark out there and it might begin to feel like everything is dark and demonic. If you meditate and open your third eye, you've already established a certain quality of thought form when you go into the meditation. So you kind of like, I'm surrounded by white light and now I'm seeing, but everything I'm seeing is going to be of the that white light or higher. So you're going to see the nicer things. Mm, that's a good tip for that. And then clairsentience is the ability to feel past, present, or future and emotional states of others, which to me kind of sounds like an empath. Yeah, to an empath and trusting your and also instinctual. And I think clairsentience is very important to try to develop. And you develop that by trusting your instincts right and asking over and over how does this feel how does this feel i ask myself that all the time every time i do a reading i'm looking at something i'm looking at certain information and and i'm and as i look at it i go how does this feel what does mm. this feel like um the more you do that the better you hone that ability to get information from those feelings. So that is different from an empath than where you're walking into a room and you're just feeling everybody's feelings that are going along in the room. To some degree. I mean, there's a little bit of similarity, but yes, to some degree it's different. You might just walk in and go, wow, it feels really down in here. This is depressing or 
you might feel like that person is sad or and feel their sadness and that is more like empathic but i i will look at someone and i say huh this there's redness on this liver what does this feel like and all of a sudden they get it feels like cancer mm -hmm. not that i particularly know what cancer feels like but i'll get that kind of an answer when i ask what it feels like gotcha and so for the empaths that are walking in our rooms, because I don't see that being very beneficial to anyone to walk into a party and see that that person's anxious over there and all of those things. Like, how do we kind of tighten up that kind of feeling? Well, you decide not to do that. Uh, again, you, you, you can bring your personal energy field tight in and take a before you go into a room with a lot of people, take an inventory of how you are. How do you feel in that moment? Mm. Do you feel healthy? Do you feel positive? Do you have a headache? Do you sit, are you nauseous? Do you have a stomach ache? All of that. If you walk into a room and that begins to radically change. Then you know it's not yours. You, you know it's not yours. And you're, you're starting to take stuff on and you say, no, I absolutely refuse to have this in my energy body you told me that before i went on a, a boat for diving and in in the idea of people getting seasickness and i don't get seasick but then i was sitting next to a person that i was sharing sharing a room with and we were going through like some photos of the day and her arm like touched my arm while we were sitting next to each other scrolling through the phone and then I like suddenly really felt very seasick and it was super helpful for me that you had told me that beforehand because then I just took a moment like whoa like that doesn't belong to me like I'm not seasick and that's got to go back to her <laughs> unfortunately I was like everyone is getting seasick on that boat but um yeah that's much better to do that than just throw up all over <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay, okay so let's move on to the last c which is claircognance which is a sense of knowing mm -hmm. sometimes you can get that by just really asking i want to know again like i just did with the i talked about with the akashic records Again, I feel like that has a lot to do with your desire to know and your desire to know for the right reasons. When, when I was handed the, the books that had gave me the ability to see the chakra colors, I had been really had a strong desire and had been asking for more information about reading chakras for better way of seeing it for some time months maybe a few years it wasn't like i asked it and instantly the angels gave it to me and it was kind of persistent in my mind i just needed a better way it doesn't mean that you have to always wait years they want to know something and you know you have the strong desire i think all information is available to you in some time frame mm-hmm Sometimes you get information right away and sometimes it takes some time. But I think desire to know and your desire to know for a particular reason has a lot of effect on that. And some things I 
don't know why, but you just wake up and you know it. Mm -hmm. We do a lot on the astral that we don't remember. We do a lot of work with people. We do a lot of healing. We sit down with angels and have uh, conferences on the astral. We go to astral doctors. We have teaching like similar to seminars with angels on the astral. All of this is happening. And sometimes we have a little bit of memory of it. Sometimes we have no memory of it. But some of that will result in us just waking up with a new skill or a new sense of knowledge about something that we hadn't even thought of before. Yeah, just new programming that's been downloaded. Yes. And then you might, a year later, remember, oh, yeah, I remember now they were teaching me, you know. Uh It suddenly comes through. I think more of it would come through if we didn't block quite as much. We just block a lot of things. In mediumship part one, you had also mentioned toning, but you didn't really go into what it was. Well, toning is making a sound with your own body that vibrates and opens up your chakras and opens up your energy. And the interesting thing about toning is that the angels are very attracted to it. So I found sometime um, I'm toning and all of a sudden one or more voices join in. It's sort of I'm toning, but it's a little bit of a concert going on. And then the energy gets very pronounced. It's very interesting. Every time I've ever done any toning with anybody, the result is that they suddenly are happy. They feel happy and they feel energized. You can just see them perk up and I say, you're feeling better. And they go, wow, I feel so happy all of a sudden. It, it attracts angelic energy. And when you get angels close to you, they permeate everything with joy. And so it's a way of without words, without your mind going crazy and all this stuff that blocks your mediumship, just to open it up and get some angelic attention. Because like you said, they like it. They enjoy mm-hmm. it. And it, it just works. And I don't think you, you don't need to do a uh, YouTube on this. <laughs> you don't need to take courses. You have vocal vocal cords. You have chakras. You need to find the sound that moves the chakra. And, and when it starts to move, you will feel it. And when you feel it, the angels will feel it. They, they're very attracted to spiritual sound. And they will come closer and closer. And then you'll start to feel everything become permeated with joy. And it's just very lovely. So can you give us an example? Okay, I will tone for a short time the heart chakra and then the throat chakra and then the third eye. And when you feel that, you'll feel like a vibration in those chakras. But you'll also notice just in this in a few minutes, it'll change how you feel. So we'll start with a, a heart chakra. Whoa. 
So many of you can feel that in your heart. You feel a vibration in your heart. You go up to the throat chakra. And then I'll do the third eye. So you're saying that's kind of something that would be good to do before meditation because you're kind of attracting the angelic beings to you? Absolutely. Yeah, this will attract angelic beings. You let's just look for that vibration in that chakra, feeling the, the chakra vibrate. It can vary a little bit for different people. The tone that like is hitting on my throat chakra or my heart chakra might be a little bit higher, lower than yours, but you just find what that is and you start to do it and it will attract attention. The more you do it, the more your chakra will open, the more open your chakra is, the easier it is to tone the chakra. Mm -hmm. When you sort of start to align the chakras with sound, then the angels just like, they come right to you. If you're doing the lower chakras, the first and the second chakras, they're more of like this. Yeah, I used to do that all the time as a kid just because I thought the sound was cool. I know when you were two, three years old, you would sit on the bench in your bedroom in the sunlight and rock back and forth and make that sound constantly. (laughs) (laughs) You're probably trying to get into your body. (laughs) Just extra grounded. (laughs) Well, that's what the Buddhists do, a similar thing. Uh, A lot of times they're chanting the first, second, you know, third chakra to stay down and grounded so it's sort of that kind of a sound and that's a quick and easy way to open up your mediumship to attract positive energy to you and to help align your chakras the sound will shake out some of the darkness in your chakras so if you've got some some heavy energy somewhere it will shake it out and you'll feel better that's awesome well, thanks for sharing some of these uh, skills with us and stuff like that. I would love to know if someone else has more questions on a different ability, more questions on one of the ones that we mentioned. You can call it in. We did get some of our first call-ins, which is awesome. So we can play some of those messages for you. Okay, so our first call in is alexis and here's what she has to say hi angie and marie my name is alexis i love your show i've been listening for a little bit now and um the episode about connecting with your angels really spoke to me and i i'm trying i'm trying to do that now and i've been meditating 
I'm new to the practice. I've been doing it for about a week now. And I was finishing up today and I had this incident where I was just chanting in my mind, you know, I'm open, I'm here, share with me what you want to share. You know, I'm here, I'm open. And I just kept saying it over and over. And all of a sudden, it just felt like my heart chakra burst open. It just felt like this flood of emotions. And I just started crying, but the good crying, not the bad crying. And there was no reason or rationale for it. But I was just, it felt like this, my heart chakra burst open and I was covered in like beautiful light and energy and just wrapped up in it from head to toe. And I was just wondering, is this, sorry, it's Alexis again. One minute, not enough time. (laughs) But my heart chakra, right? I'm the one who had the heart chakra kind of burst open. And it just felt like this warm, flooding energy just wrapping me up like a blanket. And I felt it from head to toe. And it was just like this beautiful thing. And I just, I felt different. And I just felt a connection. And I just felt more open and, and just lovely and peace and kindness and joy and all of the good things. And I just, I'm curious, I don't know if I got my question out in the last message I left, but is that a step in the right direction? I mean, is that my angels helping me? I, I want to believe that. And I'm, it, it, my gut reaction is telling me that. Um, but any clarification you guys have, I'd love to hear. <laughs> Thanks so much. You guys are awesome. Love the show. Thank you so much for calling in, Alexis. I think what happened to you is really amazing. And what it brings to mind to me is the feeling and the things that happen just before I go into a very extreme mediumship. You do tend to have light come down from the angels. You're wrapped in this warm, uh, to me, it seems like a very warm and soft and comforting light. Um, You do have your heart. Your heart has to be open. Um, That's part of the thing that makes it all work is that your heart opens and the angels come and they wrap you up in light. And that is your mediumship actually activating and definitely the angels and divine light surrounding you. So it couldn't get better than that. The fact that you meditated for a week and this happened, I think that's glorious. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> I meditated for years and didn't have anything like that happen. But, so I think everything you're doing is proper and right right now. Keep up the good work for sure. Okay, and our next call-in is Petalin. Hi, I'm having a little trouble with the recording app, but this is Peter Lynn, and I wondered if you could discuss um, those who have the differences um, and similarities, but what makes uh, having a line of golden masters rather than angels different, and also how are they the same, and what, yeah, what are, what are the differences? Why do some people maybe have golden masters versus um, angels? Um, as guides. And um, yeah, that's basically it. Um, what are the similarities? What are the differences? And, you know, what what makes it? What, why? <laughs> um, apparently, I have golden masters, not particularly angels. And I understand that they act very similar. But, um, but yeah, what's, why do some people have one variety and, and uh, others have the other? Um, 
that's it. Thank you so much. I look forward to maybe getting that some more information on that. Awesome. Bye-bye. Well, that's a very good question, Pilin. And uh, a lot of people probably have a similar question. Everyone has an angel and or more, and many people have many more than one. What I've noticed when I'm working with somebody, the people that have a lot of spiritual work going on, they're teaching, they're working with other people, they're meditating, they're studying, um, they're doing Qigong, they're doing all of the above. They will attract to them other teaching divine beings. Uh, they'll attract golden masters. They'll attract multiple angels because when you are doing something spiritual, the angels will respond and they'll come to you. So the fact that you're having these other angels with you says something very nice about you, that you're doing some very good work and they want to be there for you. They are there for you. For some people, they're not doing anything to try to attract an, an angelic being. They're not even sure they're there. They will still have one just for their protection and safety and things of that nature. And even though they don't think they're doing anything, they're probably still doing some things in their dreams and on the astral. So they'll have one and maybe two angels. But when you have a master or a wizard or a golden being or multiples, it's because you've been doing the work and you're getting the attention, the spiritual attention that you attracted and deserve. It's awesome. It is awesome. All right. Well, if anybody else has a question, please call in. There's a link at the bottom of this podcast description. You can click that to leave us a voice message. And we're looking forward to hearing you. We'll have an episode for you next Tuesday. We're looking forward to talking to you again. Mm-hmm.